It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Welcome to the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matt Newts. I'm at Nasty Newts on Twitter. Uh, with me as always, Josh Adkins at Dynasty Oasis on Twitter. Uh, how's it going, Josh? It's going great. It's week 13 of the fantasy football season. It's uh it's a fun week. Uh, a couple teams of mine, uh, very little to change this week, but a lot of them have uh, a lot of places to go if they can if they can win this week. So uh, it's uh, it's going to be a fun show and it's going to be a fun week of uh, NFL action because uh, I think we're all kind of sitting on the edge of our seats, seeing which teams of ours will get in, which won't, um, and it should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, of all weeks to have to deal with three Monday night games or two Monday night games and a Tuesday night game, it's going to be so stressful. Uh, I got so many leagues where things could go playoffs or no playoffs for me. So there's there's a lot on the line this week, and unfortunately it's not the most compelling slate of matchups, but hopefully uh, we can help give you some good advice here as far as setting your lineups. I think we're going to be a little bit more focused on you know redraft advice, lineup advice in this episode because regardless of your league that you're trying to get advice for, whether it's Dynasty or Redraft or whatever, I think this week of all weeks is important just to try and give lineup advice. Well, I'll definitely say our, the first half of the show will be a little bit redraft heavy, but the second half of the show, we're going to redraft the last two rookie classes against each other. Um, so that'll be much more dynasty oriented. So, um, right. if, you, if you're not contending, if you're, you know, really looking for strictly dynasty advice, stick around for the second half of the show. That should be a lot of fun. I had a lot of hard or a lot of trouble ranking these guys. Uh, it's a couple really good rookie classes. Yeah, I didn't even really rank them. I just kind of put a list of each draft, each position, and then I'll just kind of wing it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I can kind of do that ranking in my head as we go. Um, I kind of wanted it to be a little bit more off the cuff for me, like free-flowing like drafts tend to be, where you you might have an idea in your mind at the start, but then it can go completely differently. But I think it should be fun. There's some really interesting names. Uh, it should be a good exercise at the very least, or at least fun for us, hopefully fun for you. Yeah, it's interesting you actually say that, because one thing I've always said is is your true feelings come out when you're on the clock. Right. Um, I've had plenty of drafts where I've gone in with rankings like, yep, I feel really good about these headed into the draft. And then you end up on the clock and you go – you know what? I like player X a little bit more than player Y who I have higher ranked. So um, I've kind of got the wide receivers and running backs together and the quarterbacks and tight ends off to the side. So I'll kind of be mixing and matching a little bit too. Um, But I think it's going to be a really fun exercise to both talk uh, about these players specifically, but also, um, you know, maybe where we had them coming in, where we were right, where we were wrong, where our process failed us. Uh, so it should be an interesting conversation. Uh, but before we get there, we had uh, football yesterday, Newts. Uh, me and you actually kind of hung out and watched this game together. Um, what did you think of Baltimore-Pittsburgh? I know kind of weird circumstances and kind of I think that led to a weird game. But uh, any game notes you had to take away there? It was really a weird game. and Quite frankly, a pretty dull game. Yeah. Um, pretty game. Uh, even on Pittsburgh's side, the team that was less affected by the COVID, like drops everywhere. Deontay Johnson should have oh. had a huge game here, but he let a lot slip through his fingers. Eric Ebron was getting targeted a ton, but he had a few drops as well and just didn't look that great to me. Um, the Steelers, they've just been having a hard time running the ball. Uh, I, I know they didn't have Connor in this game, but I don't think Benny Snell's a huge downgrade from Connor. And I don't know. It just kind of an ugly game. I don't think we really learned much. Um, no. Trace McSorley gets into this <laughs> game. Uh, his arm strength looked to be pretty good, but uh, that's really the only thing I can take away from there. Marquise Brown actually does something here. If you had the guts to start him and have to wait this long, good for you. But I don't know. I don't yeah, have bro- a whole lot. Broken play there leads to pretty much his entire day. Now, I'm not going to say it wasn't a good move. And, you know, he shows what athlete he is in space. Just how do you project that going? Can you can you see the games where he's going to have the, you know, eight targets and catch four of them and one of them's a long play? Um, I just don't know. It seems a little bit like a lost season for Hollywood Brown, but I guess it is nice to see them get something done. I know the Baltimore uh, playoff schedule is quite good. So, you know, maybe we see a you know, another week like this against Dallas, and you might start to feel more comfortable with him in your starting lineup. Um, do you have anything else on that game before we well, move on? I'm to just kind of back to Hollywood being 
not really the kind of guy that I want on my team. <laughs> it's, it's to me, it's more of a best ball play, which is the way I felt about him before the year. Where I don't like rostering those types of players where it's such boomer bust, and it, that's kind of the way I feel like he is. And I'm not so sure he's ever gonna um, evolve into a trustable every week starter in my eyes. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about that. That's kind of the, what his archetype, his his body type, and his speed and style lead to. Um, I think if they could get a consistent number one alongside of him, he might be able to start making more consistent big plays. But Andrews can't be the one for this offense, and uh, it's certainly not Des Bryant or Prochet or any of these guys they brought in. So uh, Baltimore just seems like a team that kind of needs to uh, retool a little bit in the offseason to me. Certainly the old line will get better when Ronnie Stanley comes back. But, uh, yeah, just uh, I don't really like how the weapons piece together there. Totally agree. Um, our first game this week, uh, going in order of uh, game pass, so this is an order of preference, but we have Raiders at Jets. Um, I think it should be a bounce back for Derek Carr. I know if you were counting on him to be your quarterback or using him a bunch, you're probably discouraged after last week, but I wouldn't feel too worried about plugging him back into my lineup this week. I like Derek Carr. It's probably on the as a QB1 this week, you know, back-end QB1 in a 12-team league. Yep, and I'd say another bounce back as well for Josh Jacobs here. Um, he's been more boomer bust than I think we'd like to admit this year with how high the volume's been. You would think he would be a more consistent week-to-week performer, but he's kind of been all over the place. This is a matchup, though, that I think he gets something done. Frankly, uh, in a pinch, I think Devontae Booker is probably usable this week, assuming he's healthy still, isn't he? he as far as I, yeah, yeah, as far as I know, I don't remember seeing anything. Okay, he had an expression on your face like, I think he got hurt, dude. But, oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think that's both just the backs, my face. <laughs> the both the backs, I think, in Las Vegas are uh, are usable. And, and Denzel Mims is also commanding a high uh, target share. He's becoming more of a guy, I think, that you can trust as a flexible player in right in good matchups. And I think this is a good matchup. Uh, Cincinnati at Miami. Uh, boy, this could have been a really fun battle a couple weeks ago to see the LSU uh, Tiger and the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide uh, quarterbacks go at it. But uh, we may not see either of them here. Um, I think it's looking like Fitz, but, uh, you know, we'll have to see as the week goes on. Um, if it is Fitz, I think he's a, a very sound start this week. And I'm waiting to hear more in our contract league because I'd like to grab him and put him in o- over uh, Matt Ryan this week, who I'm becoming less and less uh, high on. Yeah, Fitzpatrick is uh, the quarterback. He should be in any 12-team leagues lineup. Um, I think I, so, I, yeah. It's just always under uh, rostered when he's the guy. I, I know there's no long-term upside there, but yeah, Fitz goes in lineups this week if he plays 100%. But yeah, if if this game had been three weeks ago, this would have been the first pick in our game draft, and now yeah. it's not even going to be under consideration for either of us, I'm going to assume. but uh, And like you said, if Fitz goes, uh, I think you start Parker, even yep. Gusecki. Like it makes this offense a lot more fantasy viable to me. Also looks like Miles Gaskin should be back. He wasn't on the injury report at all, so it looks like he'll be back and plug him in as well. Yep, and I'll just say, I think if you, you know, we talked a little bit in the Cincinnati side of things in our, our recap show, there's probably only one receiver a week in Cincinnati. I think T. Higgins probably draws a lot of Xavier and Howard here. I think Tyler Boyd is probably the one that I would prefer to start from Cincinnati um, and is a, a worthwhile situation to track because they have a very good playoff schedule for wide receivers coming up. Uh, Lions at Bears, why don't you start us off here? Well, if you're hoping to get Galladay or Swift back this week, I don't think you can count on it. They're both still limited or not practicing, so could be another ugly Lions game, especially against this Bears defense. I don't think there's really much in this Lions offense you should consider playing unless you're really desperate. Uh, Again, like I said last week, Trubisky, if he plays, which I'm assuming he will, is kind of a sneaky dart throw. Uh, Even though he looked awful last week, I think he still put up something like 18 to 20 points. Like. I think you're going to get something like that again out of him. So uh, if you're pretty desperate at quarterback, like I am in a few spots, I think you could actually do a lot worse than getting a little risky with him, especially if you, if you're down or if you're projected to lose by like 20 and you need someone with a high upside play, a hail Mary. I kind of like Trubisky in that manner. Getting risky with Trubisky. I kind of like that. That that rolls off the tongue. I'll say uh, (laughs) David Montgomery. uh, You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. 
the schedule looks really, really good for him going forward. Um, I'm recommending dynasty owners who haven't sold yet. Uh, just go ahead and ride the wave for the rest of the season. I do think there's good numbers coming. Um, I don't think he's a particularly good player, um, which is why I'm saying ride the wave and then sell, sell, sell in the off season. I think you're still going to be able to get out on David Montgomery for way more than he should be worth. And I'll, I'll just quickly say on the Detroit side, um, you know, I'm not one of these people who thinks Galladay and Swift being out uh, is a good thing. But if, uh, if Chicago does give it up, it's to the tight end. So Hawkinson's probably in lineups this week or should be in lineups this week if uh, anybody was debating it. Fair enough. And uh, our next game, we got Colts at Texans. Uh, I'm just going to say, don't be afraid of using Deshaun Watson just because Fuller's out. Like, just Deshaun Watson's cape of making trash into treasure and this week th- that might be kiki kuti a guy i don't really like at all but he's gotten onto the field more lately and um if he can get separation if he can get open deshaun watson's gonna find him so if you're in a really deep league and just need a body that might get targets you could do worse for kiki kuti I'd, I'd i'd go him or i'd chase him if uh you're looking for a fill-in over isaiah coulter but he's another name you might want to consider as well you hit the two names that I wanted to talk about, but I actually have the other direction going. Okay. Um, I'm not uh, disagreeing with you with Watson. Get Watson in your lineup. He's a stud. It's a tough matchup, but, you know, I think unless you've got a really good second quarterback, you're playing Deshaun Watson. I'm not chasing Isaiah Coulter and Kike Kute. I've ha- heard a lot of, uh, of talk about Coulter recently. Uh, he was like my 29th ranked wide receiver prospect coming into the season now. Um, you know, everything's obviously changed and shaken up a lot then, since then. But yeah, I just don't think he's going to be super successful. I think Brandon Cooks maybe gets a small bump forward. But I'm not chasing either of these Houston wide receivers, um, especially what's Cobb's status in terms of coming back. He's got to be coming coming back pretty soon. I don't here. think he'll be back in this game. And I, I'm not advocating playing either of these guys in a 12-team league. I'm talking just more for like a really a, a deeper sure. format. If you're in like a 16-team league or if you're just, you know, in crappy luck and you got so many injuries or whatever, it's more of a dart throw than anything. Yeah, and the one last thing I'll say is is I get the dart throw aspect of it. They get Indy this week, and then they're at Chicago and at Indy again. So to me, I, I got to see it this week. Otherwise, I, I'm I'm back. You know, if you want to take the dart throw and just see what we get, that's fine. But um, the matchups don't get significantly better as we go forward. So I'm just really not chasing that situation in general. Uh, New Orleans at Atlanta is our next matchup. Why don't you start us off? Uh, I mean, I think Taysom Hill is going to have to actually tr- – try to throw the ball a little bit more in this game. The Falcons defense is kind of built around speed. Um, If they game plan the saints well, if they uh, think about it logically, they're going to almost double spy Taysom Hill. At least that's what I would do. Um, I think you got to force him to throw the ball, make him beat you in the passing game. And until he proves that he's capable of that, I think that's how all teams need to defend the saints. No, I like that idea a lot because he seems completely unwilling to throw the ball to the backs. Um, I think Latavius Murray's here, a a good start. Uh, You know, certainly he's not the player Kamara is, but right now they're basically a one-for-one complement to each other. Um, Until we see more out of Taysom Hill, I think Latavius Murray is a back-end RB2 um, and was a really cheap, smart investment. Uh, This Saints offense looks to lean on him, in my opinion. Uh, As far as Matt Ryan and this... uh, uh, Atlanta offense goes. Uh, Julio and Gurley are both considered day to day here. Um, Gurley less so, but certainly Julio. Um, it seems like Matt Ryan is dependent on these guys more so than he's getting things done independent of his own talent at this point. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to get away from Matt Ryan and I might take a Trubisky or a Fitz like we've talked earlier in this show over him um, if I can do it. So yeah, and Gurley for me would if he's if he goes, he's no more than a back end flex option in my Agreed. opinion. This Saints run defense is stout, and if Gurley's out, I'm not chasing anything, any of his backups, whether it's Hill or uh, who's the other guy that was getting some carries, or am I thinking of? No, someone? you're right, Edo Smith. Uh, yeah, Edo. Edo. Yeah. That's right. 
So, yeah, I'm not chasing either of those guys if Gurley's out. I think it's just too tough of a matchup. Uh, our next game, we got Browns at Titans. Uh, should be a, uh, another good Baker game, um, assuming weather doesn't continue to <laughs> right. follow the Browns around the country. But, yeah, I, I like Baker in this one. I'm plugging him into a few must-win lineups this week. So, uh, I guess that shows that I'm pretty confident in him, and hopefully I don't prove to be stupid on that one because it'll affect my own chances in a few leagues if I'm wrong here. Put a pin in that because I'm going to ask you a question in our next matchup related to Baker Mayfield. Um, For the Tennessee side, I'll say A.J. Brown. uh, Let the good times roll, baby. It's been a rough couple weeks with Indy twice, Chicago, Baltimore. Uh, He's faced kind of a murderer's row and, oh, by the way, still managed to average a touchdown a game through that, regardless of if it was a kickoff return or not, um, you know, or onside kickoff return, I should say. Uh, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Detroit, and Green Bay are the next four matchups for A.J. Brown. I legitimately think he's a league winner. He's a top five wide receiver the rest of the way this season. Um, You know, it'd be nice to see him get a little bit more volume in PPR, but, uh, you know, in standard, he's an absolute must-start the rest of the way. On to the Minnesota and Jacksonville game. Um, the thing that I wanted to ask you is I've got a choice between Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield in, in, a, in a lineup. Kirk's been very consistent over the last couple of weeks. Would you advocate benching him for Baker? Uh, it's really close for me. Um, I think it, ah, man, they're both so similar and where they're so Jekyll and Hyde at times, but I, I like the way the Vikings offense is going a little bit better right now than the Browns. He's got better weapons, uh, and I'm not so sure he's not just a better quarterback anyway, so I'm going Kirk Cousins. Okay, no, and that's that's what I thought too, but, uh, you know, you, you kind of hit on some things on Baker where it's like, yeah, I could see him having a pretty big game here. Um, on the Jacksonville side, real quick, I'll say DJ Chark looks questionable for this game, obviously missed last week. Uh, one guy that we kind of missed in game notes on Jacksonville last week was Colin Johnson. Uh, we've talked a little bit about him, I think, early in the season, weeks two, three, somewhere in there. Uh, kid out of Texas that I like an awful lot, and he showed pretty well. He seems like he's got Glennon's eye. That's kind of the target, it seems to me, that Glennon's looked for in his time with Evans or his time with Marshall in Chicago. Um, yeah, I, I just I sort of feel like uh, uh, Colin Johnson could be an interesting start here. I do like him as well, Um, and it is worth noting that Mike Lennon's starting over Minshew, who appears to be healthy enough to return, so that's interesting um, for future prospects for Minshew. I think he's... Mm -hmm. His days are probably very numbered in Jacksonville because I got to imagine they'll be taking a quarterback with their first pick. So More than likely, uh, Justin Fields is in Jacksonville next year. True that. Um... Our next game, what do we got here? I just lost my place. Uh, Giants uh, at Seahawks. Giants, Seahawks. Uh, Colt McCoy most likely playing, yep. I'm going to assume. Uh, I think he's competent enough to start the guys that you were putting in your lineup before. I'm not going to judge why you're playing a Giants <laughs> player, but if you were, I think you, you can continue to. Well, don't sling too many arrows because I know you got to get Wayne Gallman out there. I'll just say uh, Evan Ingram is it, it feels to me a little bit like a trap matchup. Uh, this Seattle secondary is bad, but they're giving it away to wide receivers, not tight ends. Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, and actually Jordan Brooks to me continually week after week is getting a little bit more work. This linebacker core, along with Jamal Adams, does really well against tight ends. Um, maybe you can't get away from starting Evan Ingram this week, but if you can, if you've been rostering a Goddard along with him or, um, you know, I'm trying to think of another good example. Even some of the, the Rams guys to me seem more interesting this week. Um, I just think it's a tough matchup for Evan Ingram. And I know I've been on record of saying I don't like him very much, but I'm staying away where I can. Fair enough. And uh, Seahawks seem to be letting uh, or be done letting Russ cook quite <laughs> as much. So uh, I think he's play Chris Carson confidently here. I think Carlos Hyde could potentially even be a back end flex play here. I think both guys are going to get plenty of carries, Uh, both touchdown probabilities, probably reasonably high. Um, Our next game, Rams Cardinals, uh, can Cam Akers follow up a good stat line with more touches? That'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know we're, we got to constantly pay attention to this Rams backfield, and it's getting quite old, to be honest. Yeah, it uh, really is. I'm getting sick of talking about it, but it still doesn't mean that we shouldn't be paying attention to it. 
No, I agree. And and kind of my note was, you know, the LA Rams have a uh, a kind of a soft playoff schedule, but I'm just looking at it and I'm wondering how many of these games are they going to actually be forced to score in? It feels like they're really keeping the training wheels on Jared Goff right now. They're not trying to be an explosive offense. Uh, New England, New York Jets, and the Seattle Seahawks after this, uh, three matchups where you'd probably like to see, you know, your Rams in lineups, but I don't know. This whole offense to me really feels like it's it's going for a floor as opposed to going for an upside at this point. Indeed, uh, really tough matchup for the Cardinals as well. So, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you you're probably not going to be able to get away from you know Kyler Hopkins, and nor should you. But uh, if you're in a shallower league or a ten team league or something where you could theoretically have um, another really strong option. It wouldn't be the worst uh, week to sit those guys if you can afford to tend to agree. Our next matchup is uh, Philadelphia at green Bay. Um, I'll just start here with uh, Bob Tanyan uh, or Tanyan. I guess it is. He's been the, the tight end two, uh, at least in standard or the standard leagues I've looked at. Uh, he's got consecutive five target games with a touchdown or five catch games, excuse me um, with a touchdown um, I think he gets something done. He's he's falling further and further into the realm of trustable. And at tight end, that seems, uh, you know, like a really small list, I guess, would be the way to put it. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see Bob Tanyan. That, that touchdown on uh, Sunday Night Football was really nice. He just seems like a guy that has Roger's eye. And with the struggles of Valdez Scantling and Lazard's injury you know, off and on, um, seems like to me he's the number two weapon in this offense behind the running backs, I guess I should say. Totally agree. Um, Carson Wentz, the, I think it was brought up on their broadcast, but he looks like he's pretty much contractually unlikely to be gone from Philadelphia next yep. year. Um, I, that doesn't mean he couldn't be a very expensive backup to Hertz, but I think his days are certainly numbered. And if he can, I, he's got to be really close to the hook, man. So this could be a game where the hook comes. So pay attention for that. Um, our next matchup, we got Patriots Chargers. I'll just start. Cam needs to be better, and this offense mm-hmm. is really – they just need to take the training wheels off. Like, what's <laughs> there to lose? They don't have a long-term investment there, so if they break his confidence, oh, well, it's not their problem. Uh, so they just need to let – kind of let Cam cook, if you will. Let him throw the ball, see what happens, see what you got. Yeah, I know. It's been a little bit disappointing with all the injuries and lack of weapons they have. Uh, and Keel Harry, a guy that I'm pretty confident in three rounds of our uh, draft here in a second – uh, will not probably go, and he was the consensus top three pick in that uh, that 19 class. Um, it's really disappointing to see that they can't get him involved. I'll just say real quick on on the New England side, I think they, they get something done with the running game here. It was good to see that Sony Michelle basically factored none into last week. Um, so if this is a game where they can get up, I think Damian Harris gets the lion's share. If they fall down like they did last week, uh, probably James White, but I think you can start both of them with a little bit more confidence in the idea that they have both a floor and a little bit more upside now because they're not sharing it three ways. Um, Denver at Kansas City is the Sunday night football game. Um, sounds like Drew Locke will be back, uh, you know, with his COVID issues uh, from that Kendall Hinton game that, uh, you know, we all wish never happened. Um, Philip Lindsay's limited here. I don't got a lot on the Denver side. It seems like Jerry Judy's kind of the one trustable uh, guy here in terms of volume, but you know, 37 targets or 37 catches on 78 targets doesn't scream good efficiency. So um, in kind of a tough matchup here, I don't know if you can start anybody on the Denver side. I'm, I'm forced to in a few spots, but I, I feel gross about it. I'm not in any way confidently putting any Broncos into my no. lineups. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do, but yeah, avoid, <laughs> avoid if you can. Um, I think teams need to start legitimately having two men responsible for Tyreek Hill on every play. Yeah. It's just silly. I don't think you can leave him single covered anymore. It's it's just a bad bad idea. So uh, I'm, I don't really have great advice on the Chiefs players. I think if you're you're doing what you're doing with them, the same as any other week. So well, I think maybe the one people would wonder on is Clyde Edwards-Alar, and I think both of us are putting them in starting lineups. I saw he. Came up with a questionable tag today, but assuming he's healthy, I'm starting him as well. For sure. Uh, Washington, Pittsburgh. uh, Antonio Gibson showed the country how good he is on Thanksgiving. Can he further prove it in a primetime spot against the Steel Curtain? That'll be interesting. Uh, 
it's going to be hard to avoid starting him at this point because your lineup's probably reliant on him. But this is a really tough matchup in one of those games where if he can put off a big game in this game, it really, really proves that he is what we think he is. So I'm looking forward to watching this. You hit the nail on the head here because the last three games, really his breakout window has been Detroit, Cincinnati, and Dallas. Uh, Three pretty below average, if not awful defenses. Um, if he can get it, get something done against Pittsburgh here, it's really going to be hard at that point to not have him RB one out of this class. I really, you know, I, I had to do this, uh, exercise already today in terms of ranking these guys. So he was very, very close, but, uh, let's just say this would be the type of matchup that can elevate his profile even further than it already is. Uh, Buffalo at San Francisco will be the second Monday night matchup. Um, I couldn't really find a lot here unless I just wanted to, you know, wax poetic again about Brandon Ayuk. I'll just say that him and Debo together excite me. Uh, but maybe the interesting guy here is Jordan Reed, 12 targets over the last two games. Um, Buffalo's a tough defense, but uh, if you're looking for sort of an under-the-radar guy, maybe Jordan Reed is a guy that can get into your lineup this week. Right on. And uh, the 49ers did a really good job against the Rams running backs last week, minus that one big uh, Cam Akers run. But mm-hmm. for the most part, they shut them down. Some people might be tempted to start Singletary or Moss after a more productive week last week, but I would um, avoid that temptation this week. I don't see a lot getting done for them. So I think they're on my bench. Good advice there. Uh, Dallas at Baltimore is our last matchup. So this is pushed all the way to Tuesday. So we get another Tuesday night matchup here. Um, It seems like a really brutal matchup for the Dallas team. Um, I I really don't. I mean, you probably can't get away from Zeke Elliott, but I'm trying to leave CeeDee Lamb on on any bench I can. Um, I don't think you probably get away from Cooper. But, uh, you know, at basically half strength last night, we saw this Baltimore team shut out or not shut out, obviously, but uh, slow down a Pittsburgh offense that's, you know, scoring a lot of points right now is an 11-0 team. Um, this is just about as bad of a matchup as you can get. And I kind of, I'm kind of trying to avoid Cowboys if I can. Yeah, totally agree. And as far as the Baltimore offense, you're just going to have to pay attention to the COVID tracker here because everything could change as far as availability is concerned. Lamar Jackson may or may not be ready for this one. We don't know yet, so it's hard to give advice right now. But I think you're all competent enough to set your own lineups, um, so pay attention to that. Yeah, I think the most actionable thing we can say is that uh, Lamar's positive test came three days behind Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. So if his first negative test tracks on the same timeline as Ingram and Dobbins, you would presume he should be available by Tuesday. But nothing certain with COVID, nothing certain in 2020, that's for sure. So just be monitoring as we come closer to uh, Sunday uh, lineup setting. Um, so let's do our game draft here, Newts. Uh, do I have the first pick or do you? I forget. You you do this week. I have the first pick. Well, then it's going to be an easy one. I think pretty easily the best game of the weekend, and uh, or at least the best game of the noon slate for sure, is Cleveland-Tennessee. Um, I'm excited to see A.J. Brown. I like Baker Mayfield here. Uh, I'm kind of a closeted uh, Cleveland Brown fan. Uh, so I'm excited to see the Browns. I hope they win and uh, I hope AJ Brown is a big game. Yeah, that would have been my number one pick. Uh, pretty easy choice. Uh, I agree. I'm going to go Rams Cardinals, uh, yep. best, best game left remaining. Um, it's going to be a fun football game. If not, um, if not for these defenses, it could have been a really fun offensive battle as well, but I see this being kind of a, 21 19 type game but should still be a fun watch and then oh i'm kind of stalling i'm gonna go eagles packers not really sure why just kind of spoke to me i want to see if the eagles can kind of get some sort of a rhythm on offense and it's just fun watching aaron Rodgers play football right now so it's not that hard of a choice i guess no i like that that was actually my number four Um, I'm going to do something that I kind of tried to avoid throughout the process here, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the hometown Vikings against the Jaguars here. Um, I think there's a lot of fantasy nuggets to, to possibly gain here. Obviously we've talked plenty about James Robinson, another slightly more difficult matchup here. Let's see what he can get done. Uh, Justin Jefferson, obviously is fun to watch. Colin Johnson, we talked about. Um, but the other thing that's interesting to me is I feel like the Vikings have a pretty difficult, 
playoff schedule. Dalvin Cook has now left how many games? Three games with, with an injury, had to come out for some duration of time, or has just flat out missed the game. The touch number keeps cranking up and up and up every week. Um, you know, this the tough slate of matchups along with his injury history, I just sort of feel like at some point we're going to see them have to back this thing down a little bit. It might be a tough end-of-the-season stretch for the running back that's been by far the best in the league this year. Um, you can't get away from starting him, but um, I just feel like there's a lot of fantasy nuggets in this game. So Vikings-Jags is my four-pick. Right on. Yeah, I don't think either of us have taken a Vikings game yet this year. I don't so think so, nope. it, It's not a bad idea to, to highlight them a little bit. Um, I know we talk about them probably more than most teams just because that's both of our favorite teams. Sure. But still, uh, yeah, we, we can't ignore the fantasy relevance of their players. So, Right on. Well, then why don't we just get right into the uh, 19 and 20 uh, remock of the rookie classes. So the bid is here. These are all of the players from the last two rookie classes. What do we say? We'll do half-point PPR and non-superflex, sort of the scoring system we had decided on? Yeah, I think that was my understanding here. Okay. Um, so you said you have a way to figure out the number one pick here, some sort of random generator. You've got a question for me, is that right? Yeah, I was going to give you – well, I don't even know if you call it trivia, but this is something you know, but I want to see if you can get it right on the spot. I want you to tell me every team Frank Gore's played for and in the correct order. And if you get that right, you get to determine what pick you get. Oh, gosh. Well, so San Francisco first. Correct. Oh, man. Indianapolis? Two for two. Buffalo? Uh, you missed one. Oh, Buffalo's shoot. four. He went to Miami and then oh, that's Buffalo right. and then Miami. The Shoot. All right. Well, so you you get the 101 then, or I guess well, you, get, you get your choice. Do you want the 101 or the 102? I think I actually want 102. Okay. So, well, then I'll, I'll, t- I'll we, we talked about this yesterday. So the 101 for me, um, I thought it was going to be more difficult than it ended up being when I really sat down and did this. It's DK Metcalf. I wanted to make it one of the other names. I don't want to, you know, take your bit. So um, I, there was other guys in conversation, but it, pretty quickly settled on DK Metcalf. Um, he's basically uncoverable uh, one-on-one. Um, I saw a stat online today, actually, that said he's leading the league in single coverage success rate. Um, you saw it on that play against Darius Slay where he pins the ball to his chest this weekend. He's an incredible athlete, an incredible wide receiver, and he's tied to Russell Wilson for the foreseeable future. So uh, DK Metcalf, 101. Right on, that would have been my pick as well, so I, I think you got that one right, at least in my opinion. Um, number two, I'm going to go the best rookie wide receiver in this class. I'm going Justin Jefferson. Maybe I'm a mm-hmm. homer. Maybe this isn't the right pick. I'm sure other people would argue um, for certain running backs, but have PPR and uh, just the production's been undeniable. Like He's one of the highest-rated rookie wide receivers, according to Pro Football Focus, in the last like 10 years. So I think that's got to mean something. I think there's room to grow. Uh, yeah, I, I've been thrilled with him as a Viking, and I think I've been thrilled with him in fantasy as well. So maybe a bit of a reach, but I, he wouldn't have gotten to four. So No, absolutely he wouldn't have. And, and he's performing at an Odell Beckham Jr. level. Uh, as from, as a rookie performer, at least. So I think that was the the pretty easy 102 for me. I, I had more trouble at 103 and 104. We had this conversation a couple weeks ago, um, and it's still, now that I'm on the clock, I don't know that I'm doing the right thing here, but I'm going to take Terry McLaurin at number three. Um, you know, he's, he's so consistent week in and week out, and there's so much more upside in this offense if they can improve the things that are around Terry McLaurin. Um, Antonio Gibson was a really big step, but let's see this offensive line get better. Obviously, let's see the quarterback position improve. And gosh, I just feel like the sky is the limit for Terry McLaurin. Whereas that are right behind him, situationally, I don't see a lot changing. And since I can't separate them too much on a talent basis, I went with the, the team and the, the situation I felt had more upside long term. So Terry McLaurin, 103. Good pick. Uh, I'm going to go the first running back here, um, and I don't think anyone from this draft has um, passed this guy for me. So I'm going Miles Sanders. Um, 
not the sexiest pick as we've seen him long enough, but I think he undoubtedly passes the eye test. Some of his metrics scream that he could even get better. So I'm taking Miles Sanders here. I don't see any reason why the Eagles would bring in meaningful competition for him anytime soon. So I feel pretty safe about his role for the immediate future. I'm going Miles Sanders. I really like watching him. So I think this will be a fun pick here. I love that pick. He's he's right in the conversation for me. Um, but then I'll take the guy that I was torn between at 103, and I'll take uh, Arthur Juan Brown, A.J. Brown here. Uh, I think he has a massive close to the end of the season. He was my number four overall prospect last year, so I don't feel like this is even, you know, like Terry McLaurin, it's much harder for me to wrap my head around. You know, you had him in the teens or, you know, the late, you know, the early 20s even in some rookie boards that I put together uh, that year. A.J. Brown was already very, very highly thought of. So a little bit of confirmation bias there, certainly. uh, But a guy that I absolutely love and I think uh, is just sort of scratching the surface of what he can be long term. Totally agree. Um, At 106, I'm going with my favorite player in this rookie draft uh, going into the process. Um, Only one person's passed him, so I can't let him go any further. It's C.D. Lamb. Love him still. Uh, It's not his fault Dak got hurt. So if Dak hadn't got hurt, C.D. Lamb probably goes three or four. Uh, Yeah, we talked about that a little bit yesterday. We were kind of just watching games and just hanging out. I think he would have pretty easily had a thousand yards and 10, 10 or so touchdowns this year had Dak stayed healthy. Um, and then it's such a different conversation about where he's at. This is probably, frankly, a steal at uh, what are we at? 107? 106? 106. Yeah. yeah, I think that's probably a steal based on where he, I mean, he, if we did this uh, process or this experiment again in a year, it wouldn't shock me if he was the first player off the board. So uh, I think that makes a ton of sense. I'll take my first running back here. Uh, it is a rookie from this class, um, and it's DeAndre Swift. Um, and, yeah, you can call me a little bit of a fraud on this one. Um, I think a program we should do in the offseason is sort of uh, bias blind spots, something along those lines where it's situations that you can never find yourself investing in either because you've been burned in the past or because you don't like how the, the pieces line up. Um, but this was a situational blind spot for me, no doubt. And as much as I preach about talent, 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 this blind spot led me to not getting any DeAndre Swift anywhere. And while there's still things on film I want to see, specifically being able to make a few more people miss in open space, he's just so fast coming out of the backfield. It feels like when he gets to that last tackler, he's off balance and he kind of stumbles and he – you know, once he really figures things out, I think he's going to be so good. So, uh, yeah, DeAndre Swift, and um, I thought just an interesting little talk on on process there. And, you know, you got to divorce yourself from these situational ideas that a guy can't be good in Detroit or wherever. Yeah, good advice there, because I'm sure all of us have some un- irrational biases somewhere in, mm-hmm. in the fantasy process. Uh, it'd be easy to want to avoid Detroit uh, running backs out of, you know, past experience with Kerryon Johnson or whatever. But yeah, DeAndre Swift, you know, he was my favorite talent at running back. And I don't know why I strayed so far from that in the draft process, just because he was in Detroit. So yeah, g- good advice there. Uh, situations in this league can change so darn fast. So fast. Yeah. Talent, talent means more than situation. I agree. Um, at, 108, I'm kind of stalling here because I'm, I'm having a really tough time deciding which way to go with this pick. There's so many different guys that I think um, you can make a case for here. So maybe I'm going to go a little bit of recency bias here, but the guy that's really blown me away lately, um, Washington running back, I mean, Antonio Gibson is really checking all the boxes right now. So maybe a pick or two early here, but... I, I don't know. I, I love him right now. And like you said, his matchups have been easy lately. So if we're doing this after this Pittsburgh game, maybe I, I take a, a few guys ahead of him if he you know, gets 20 carries for 35 yards. But I, I think he will do well in that game. So I'm going Gibson here. Yeah, no, that was my that was the guy I had at number eight. So I think you made the absolute right choice. Um, the guy I had a hard time ranking him against was Josh Jacobs. And that's who I'll pick here at 109. Yeah, that was that was my debate. Um, yeah, we've talked about it. Gibson just is frankly a more fun player, a more player with player with more upside in my opinion based on what he can do in the passing game. Um I just sort of think that they're running a little bit more new age offense on top of that where they're using him in some jet screens, some, 
you know, motion type stuff, putting two backs on the field at the same time. Whereas Josh Jacobs, I feel like they're just plowing into the line and hoping that their big guys are going to block the other team's big guys and there'll be a hole. Um, I'm just, there's just nothing there that really makes me want to jump up onto a table for my, uh, for Josh Jacobs, but the volume's solid. He's still very young. He's a good player. I liked him as a prospect coming out of Alabama, so I can't let him fall any further than this. Although I'm, I'll, I'll just say this is not a pick that excites me. Hundred percent agree. That's why I went Gibson because yeah. Jacobs probably holds a little bit more value still, but um, that could change really quickly here. So I, I think we got this in the right order. Um, One ten. I'm going to maybe throw a little bit of a curveball into this. Uh, I don't think too much though, but I'm going T Higgins. Um, you just lost Burrow, but. You know, some could say Ayuk or Claypool, and that's fair. But T's got Joe Burrow, and that means a lot um, long term. I think it's pretty comparable in talent with Ayuk and Claypool. Um, I, I I do like Higgins a little bit more than Claypool. I'm not so sure about um, Ayuk. I, I love Ayuk as well, but for me, um, when it's that close, you got to look at the quarterback situations, and T Higgins has by far the most stability there. I love that pick, and actually, that's only one pick off of off of my valuation. I I have T. Higgins as the highest ranked wide receiver that was left on the board before you just obviously picked him. Um, but I'm going to take a running back, and I think this is the end of my tier two. I came up with ten players that I thought were the top two tiers. Um, four were wide receivers that went very very early, and the next six, aside from C.D. Lamb, were running backs. I'm still taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I like the talent a lot. I, you know, I was never scared on that. So this was never a situational thing where it's like, oh, my gosh, he's Kansas City's running back. He's going to be amazing. Um, he's had things to learn. He's had some rookie errors. He's, you know, fighting with a guy who's been an all pro before for for touches. This is going to work out long term. I really believe that for Clyde edwards Lar. They spent too much draft capital on him for that for it to not be his job long term. So um, he's my last tier two player. Um, and I'll take him here at 111. Yeah, I was curious uh, when one of us would break and, and take one <laughs> of these disappointing rookie backs. Uh, I wasn't quite ready to take Clyde over a few receivers that are left, so I'm I'm going to just kind of go down the list until you you stop the run. I'm going to go Ayuk next because he was uh, he was the next guy on my list. Uh, I know you are as high on Ayuk as anyone, so I'm a bit surprised you didn't take him over Clyde, um, but. I get your points on Clyde, but if 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 I'm in a dynasty startup draft today and I'm on the clock and it's Clyde Edwards Alaire and Brandon Ayuk, I'd rather go to war with Ayuk over the next several years. I'd feel a little bit more comfortable going with Ayuk. So instead of looking at the next, you know, tier of running backs, I think the we need to have a little bit of a run on receivers here, maybe. I love that. This is not how I have him ranked. Um, but you know what, just because I want to make sure that, that this point is very, very clear and we made it on the last show, I'm going to take Debo Samuel here, not because he's my highest ranked player, but because you just took Brandon Ayuk and I want to make the point that just because Brandon, I've been, you know, very vocal about the fact that anybody who's telling you Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are the same player, stop listening to them. They don't know what they're talking about if they don't if they don't see the very obvious differences in how the two play and how they're built stylistically, all of that stuff. That doesn't mean that I don't love Debo Samuel. I love Debo Samuel. I loved what we saw last week. I, this is why I didn't want to go too aggressively into the, into the matchup against Buffalo because I'll just, I'll start getting too excited. I love Debo Samuel. I, I never meant any sort of like, uh, you know, he's not good because he's not Brandon Ayuk. The fact that they're different is awesome. It's perfect for this offense. I'm so excited if they can get a good quarterback with Shanahan. I think this is an offense that has a chance to be Kansas City level good with the weapons they have. So just to make a point of, yes, you're right. I love Brandon Ayuk. I love Debo Samuel as well. And so I'm going to take him here at, uh, I guess, what would be 201. Awesome. Um I just said we need a little bit of a run on receivers, but I kind of let a guy slip my mind. James Robinson, um, I'm taking next, maybe a hair early, but I've been very impressed by him lately. Um, I don't think the draft capital matters anymore. Um, I'm done worrying about that. James Robinson's a real thing, and I think uh, this is probably the right spot for him to go, or at least in the right range. So I'm taking James Robinson here. 
he's in the same tier with all of these players that that I think are going to kind of come off the board here. So he was a guy that's in conversation. Obviously, nothing's done in a vacuum. So if I have one guy over the other, situationally, I can make a case for either, kind of like I just did with Debo Samuel, although it was for different reasons. Um, I'll take Chase Claypool here at 203. Um, not a super hard decision for me. Um, I know Pro Football Focus had him really high ranked. Um, he's just such a fun player to watch to me because the hustle is there. He's willing to block. He's willing to do the dirty work. He just fits Pittsburgh to me. He is as much of a Pittsburgh-type player as I've ever seen, especially at a position that they excel at drafting at. I don't know. Another sort of blind spot here. How did I miss on Chase Claypool? Pittsburgh drafts a wide receiver. You just draft him. Just draft him in your fantasy league. It's that simple. And I don't know how I missed this because he has been phenomenal. Uh, down game last night, but uh, a guy that I still love and am taking over any of the other Pittsburgh wide receivers. Yeah, all great points. Uh, all I completely agree with. So I'm going to follow up with another Pittsburgh receiver, Deontay Johnson. I think Good this call. is a, uh, about where their values lie. They're right next to each other still. Um, and I still slightly prefer Claypool, but I, I do really like Deontay Johnson, despite some of the mental mistakes he makes from time to time. I think the talent's undeniable, and I think this is about where he belongs. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it was... It just—I don't want to get off on a Deontay tangent, but it was so disappointing to see the drops this week because the thing that he did last week that was so impressive, that was so important to me to see in his develop development, is that he made some difficult catches. It wasn't just he's wide open, the ball's right on him, he catches it and he gets to go run. It was a juggling catch down the sideline. It was a great adjustment on a, on a nine route that Ben threw inside and he worked back to. Um, there was some tough catches in that game. And to go see him do that, it, it really disappointed me this week. And I was kind of just not going to take him out of principle here because I'm a little bit upset with him. I'll take another good route runner who, frankly, has a lot of the same problems as Deontay Johnson right now. Um, kind of reminds me of him a little bit. Uh, Jerry Judy, um, obviously a guy we were a lot more fond of coming out uh, we mentioned the the inefficiency issues. Uh, I think some of that's tied to the quarterback, but certainly some of that is as well tied to Jerry Judy. He's had kind of similar problems. Alligator arms over the middle. Doesn't seem like he wants to get hit when he's down the sideline. When he's open, he's very good at catching the ball. But when he knows he's going to take a hit, uh, ball doesn't always seem to be caught. So um, a guy that certainly slipped, I would say, in value here, but uh, a guy that I still love and is probably a steal at this point in the draft. Agree. Um, I was debating between him and Deontay, but I went Deontay for narrative sake just because you went Claypool. So yep. I think that's the right pick. Uh, I'm going to go back to this rookie running back class. I'm going um, my next man up is J.K. Dobbins. Um, I like him a fair amount, but this is the point where I'm just taking the best running back available. And that's who it is, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. I'm not obsessed with him. I don't hate him. I think he's fine. So this is probably where a guy like that goes. Yep. And I had him and the guy I'll take in the same tier here. And this is actually my last, what would it be? Tier three player here. Um, it's Jonathan Taylor. Uh, certainly we've all been very disappointed by Jonathan Taylor, but from a, uh, a collegiate profile and NFL prospect profile, you don't get much more Sterling than what we had in Jonathan Taylor. Now, that certainly isn't everything, and we've seen enough on tape in the NFL to, to raise some serious red flags, certainly. But to me, a lot of it feels mental. It's not that we've misjudged his ability to cut or run or break tackles. It's that he hasn't simply grasped the offense he's in yet. That's something that can be attained. Certainly, you're frustra frustrated with the production, but next year will be a new year. Um, I'm still all in on, on Jonathan Taylor as a prospect that uh, will eventually hit. Sounds good. I'm not so bullish, but I've been wrong a million times and I will be wrong a million more. Uh, now that we're getting kind of late in the second round here, uh, I'm I'm a contender here. I'm looking more for the future. I'm looking more for next year where I can add another hopefully big asset to my team. I'm taking Denzel Mims, who will Ooh. be paired with one Trevor Lawrence in about eight months. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting, and he's certainly a guy that's in the next tier. Probably not the guy I would have gone with. Um, this, to me, feels like the spot where you got to take the first quarterback. Um, boy, I put Kyler higher on my list, but now that I'm really just looking at it, I'm going to take Justin Herbert here. Um, 
it's been an incredible ride this rookie season. Uh, they're going to get another last place schedule on high end first round pick again next year. Um, they're going to have a chance to add to this, maybe not offensively, but I think this team is going to continue to get better. Who knows what the new coaching staff could bring in in terms of uh, an upgrade in offensive scheme. They have such good weapons around them. I don't see Keenan or Williams or Henry. Uh, I think Henry probably resigns now in L.A. with with what they've found in Herbert. Um, this is an offense I like a lot going forward. And so, yeah, I'm going to go a little bit off script here and take Herbert over Murray at uh, what? I guess it would be 208? Uh, 209. 209. 209, sorry, yep. Well, I think they're very close, so I might as well stack them back to back. Uh, I would, I would, we're working on our rankings right now for a website, mm-hmm. and this is going to be a spot where I'm going to have a lot of trouble debating between these two. So I, I, I think I'm going to go Kyler because it's very, very close. So probably should be back to back. Well, and I think one thing that's important to note here is is we're going to try to do tier based rankings on the website. So I think when you get to those two names, they're going to be in the same tier. And usually my advice is if you got two players in the same tier, you know, if you can get extra to move down within the tier or, you know, in startup terms, if you can just be the last one to take a player in that tier. So I don't even know that it, the distinction matters. I just, you have to make sure it when you're actually picking guys. So um, that's the one I will make. Um, geez. I think we're going to offend a lot of people if I don't take this guy, because he's apparently got the biggest Twitter following in the world. Um, I'm going to take Jalen Rager. I do like the player a lot. It just, it, it sort of annoys me when, um, he gets, you know, sort of artificially pushed up what we pushed him up into the Justin Jefferson and Jerry Judy conversation last year. And Brandon Ayuk was consistently in the second round. And that was sort of, uh, so I've always just had an issue with Rager's value, not so much the player. I actually think it would be interesting to see him in a Jalen Hurts led offense. I sort of wonder if he wouldn't be better in a Jalen Hurts-led offense, not just because Carson Wentz has played badly, but what the scheme would look like and how they would look to get him the ball might be different and might actually serve his skill set better. Um, so I'm not worried about, you know, who's the quarterback going to be. I think both can hypothetically fit him. Um, and it does feel like an awfully late spot for him to have gone. So I'll take Jalen Rager here at, I guess, what would be 211. 211, indeed. Uh, last pick of the second round. Uh, I'm assuming we're going to continue this for a third round because there's yeah. a lot of names left. Yep. Uh, and I think we have plenty of time. Rapid fire, but we'll do it. Yep. I'm going to go Noah Fant. Uh, I think Good we need call. a tight end in the first two rounds. And he is uh, by far my favorite. Well, I shouldn't say by far, but he's my favorite of the last two years. Nope, I totally agree with that. And, and I'll just do the same thing. And I'm going to take TJ Hawkinson off the board. Um, certainly a guy that I've ragged on. And I think you did the absolute right thing taking Noah Fant over him because he's got infinitely more upside to me. Um, but that being said, tight end six every year is not something that, you know, is going to hurt your fantasy lineup. So uh, TJ Hawkinson is certainly a guy that has value, uh, deserves to be in lineups and, and rostered everywhere and started everywhere, but just not a guy that I'm actively seeking to buy right now. Good point. Uh, I'm going to make kind of a personal statement here. I'm taking Daryl Henderson still above Cam Akers. Do it. I love it. Uh, so, I just, so, sorry, I was going to expand on that a little bit, but I don't need to. So why don't you just uh, keep us rolling? Yeah. So, uh, well, what I was going to say is I have them back to back. There's a couple guys I'm still taking over either. Um, but yeah, that's sort of where I'm at too, is they're just, they're, you know, back to back. And I think you could go either way. I'll take Henry Ruggs here. Um, also a guy that I, that I love, he's got, you know, incredible draft capital considering how far down we are in this thing. Um, a first round pick, obviously he's not excelling certainly right now, but the efficiency per target is okay because he's getting targeted downfield as this offense grows, as they continue to trust Derek Carr more, I'm hopeful that, that Henry Ruggs will be a, a bigger part of that as we go. So Henry Ruggs here at, I guess, three Oh three. 303. Yes. Uh, I'm going to take Joe Burrow. Um, I don't think he's that significantly lower in my ranks just because of his injury than the other two quarterbacks. Uh, So I'm pretty happy to get Joe Burrow here. All right. Uh, Then the next guy on my list is uh, unfortunately Hollywood Brown. We had a little bit of a conversation earlier. Uh, Boom bust guy, certainly best ball asset that I would much rather have. Um, but I don't know. Lamar Jackson, I think, still has so much God given in that right arm. Um, 
becoming a master of his craft is what he needs to do at this point. And I think he can do it. There's nothing that tells me he can't. He seems like a hard worker. He seems like a smart enough guy. Um, there's room to grow still here in, in Baltimore as they have to become more of a pass-oriented team. Um, and you know what? Hollywood, Hollywood Brown still possesses a very rare skill set in terms of, of speed and quickness. So uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown uh, at uh, 305. All right, I'll take the other Rams running back just because I'm sure if most other fantasy analysts were doing this exercise, he probably would have gone ahead of Henderson and would have been gone by now. So Mm -hmm. I just think for realism's sake, I'm taking Cam Akers, even though I'm personally not a huge believer, but, you know, maybe it's stubbornness. No, it's not. He's my highest-ranked player at this point. But it sort of irritates me he took him because it's leaving my next highest player as a guy that I just – I don't – uh, David Montgomery, 307. Uh, there is going to be a good sell window here at the end of this season because I think he finishes hot. I'm not calling him a league winner, um, but as opposed to a guy that was kind of torpedoing your team every so often, um, I think he's a guy that's at least going to consistently help you as we get through the rest of this season. Um, you know, I would be trying to get out before Chicago can draft somebody else, but uh, David Montgomery, 307. Well, when we're done with this, I think we should tally how many um, from each um, year we're taken because it's kind of interesting. I think um, even me, I said like last year's draft class was kind of crappy in, yeah. at the time, and this year's was amazing. But it seems like it's been a pretty even split between the been. two. It's just last year the order was what was weird is um, there were a lot more landmines it felt like last year where this year tended to be a little safer, even though there could have been a few landmines if depending on how you feel about Taylor or Clyde or whatever. But um, the order last year was just all wrong, but I I think the talent was there. Um, And that being said, I'm on the clock. Uh, I'm going to, we still got some really good receivers from this year's class. I'm going to go Michael Pittman. I think he would have gone earlier um, if we knew more who his quarterback was going to be a year or two from now. Um, not a big Rivers guy. Uh, I don't think they go back to uh, – um, what was it? I'm so bad with names. Who did they have last year? Um, You're going to be Brissett, yeah. Brissett. If, if it's a different quarterback other than Phillip Rivers, I think it'll be the the rookie, the kid out of Washington whose name is also Eason. Eason. Yeah, 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 Eason, thank you. So, yeah, I think Pittman's just a really talented player. So I, I'm just taking talent here and not really worrying about fit or long-term fit. I'm a little annoyed, a little oversight on my part. I uh, somehow – I had written Pittman in, and then I wanted to move him down a spot. So I crossed him out, and I never got him back into my rankings. So uh, nice pick there. That was a, that was an oversight. He's on plenty of my teams, a guy that I'm a big fan of. Um, boy, um, geez, this is tough. I'm going to take a guy that I still really like. It's not the guy that I had highest on this list, but I just I, I don't want to take another, uh, you know, um, unconvincing running back. So I'm going to take LaVisca Chenault here, a guy that does interest me as a player. Um, you know, if if you're right and Jacksonville has a new quarterback next year, and especially if it's Justin Fields, LaVisca Chenault feels an in, like an interesting fit with uh, a Justin Fields-led offense. So um maybe even more so than dj chark a guy that really fits what this team could be coming um lavisca chanel the guy that i like a lot uh what pick are we at 308 uh, i'm writing them down i i'm about to make 310 okay yep so that was 309 go ahead and give us 310 well this is kind of um a pick that may or may not um work out long term but it's a guy that's role could drastically increase due to one injury and become you know a very high-end talent uh, if he takes the Tyreek Hill role so I'm going Mecole Hardman I still really like the physical athleticism he is definitely redundant in that offense but I, I just like the talent a lot I think he's a poor man's Tyreek Hill so if something ever happened to him he doesn't seem like the most stable individual um, I'm, I'd, I'd like to have Mecole Hardman as on as many routes as possible as a stash all right so Miko hardman 310 um i'm gonna take darnell mooney at 311 um i've been a big fan of you know a guy that really flew under the radar for me obviously he was a, a standout at the combine ran really fast but coming out of i believe Tulane, right um just not a guy that i'd, I'd heard a lot of uh didn't do probably enough work on pre-draft but uh a guy that's really impressed me for the Chicago Bears, he gets open consistently. 
Um, and not exactly a guy that I would have found myself putting on this list a couple, you know, a couple months ago. Um, he's been a real nice surprise for that Chicago offense and maybe um, can really help whoever the next quarterback is because I think they're going to lose Allen Robinson at the end of the season. I like that pick a lot. Uh, at 312, I'm taking a guy that um, wasn't really picked in rookie drafts last year at all, but um, he's starting running back on a good team. Don't think he's going to be there super long term, but at this point in the draft, if you're going to start a new running back, you know, it's not bad. And I actually do like him. It's Miles Gaskin. Oh, wow. Okay, interesting. I like that pick. I, that's not where I would have gone, just simply because I think they're going to replace him or or look to get better at that position. Doesn't mean he won't have some sort of job there. I think he's put enough on tape to say that he should be on a team as a third down back. Um, I just wonder if they don't bring in some serious competition Well, they for him. certainly should. Um, yeah. I was debating between him and Tony Pollard. I like Tony okay. Pollard more, um, and I am really fading Zeke right now, so I kind of like Tony Pollard as a stash. Could be the guy next year in Dallas. Maybe maybe, and maybe not. Who knows? But um, I, I, I want to get out of the Zeke business, and Tony Pollard I actually think is the better talent at this point in their career. So that would have been my other choice there. I tend to agree. And so uh, we just did 36 picks by my rough count. And I, I ran through this quick while we were both talking. I got 15 from last year, which would mean for 36 picks, there was 21 who were rookies this year. Okay. So a few more. So not quite one to one. But there's probably more players on the best available list to me that were from last year's class. Damian Harris, right. Devin Singletary. Um, I just had another one in my head that just fell out all of a sudden, but the tight end class I thought was a lot better last year. Herb Smith Alexander Madison. Yep, Madison, absolutely. Um, yeah, Paris Campbell. That was the other guy yeah, that, that yeah. I couldn't remember. He I was, feel like a uh, lot of the next group. Yeah, if we if we continued this another round, I think we would have uh, it would balance itself out a little bit. I guess what I'm Darius trying to say. Slayton, Travis Fulgham. Yeah. There's still a lot of a lot of names there. Yeah, I totally agree. It's been a, a really you know, strong couple classes. And um, just sort of to compare it to the upcoming class, I think we have one more strong class coming. Um, and I think it's pretty similar to the last couple that we've had um, where wide receiver is absolutely loaded. Uh, running back is on the weaker side. And then, you know, last year quarterback was fairly strong, I would say, Herbert, Burrow, and Tua. But tight end was way down. This year, I think we have both of those positions that are at least above average. Quarterback, I think, is well above average. Um, I think there's going to be at least four quarterbacks that are NFL first round draft picks, if not more, uh, depending upon where you feel on, you know, where you are on Kyle Trask or Mac Jones. Um, it's going to be a really interesting year quarterback wise, both from an NFL draft perspective and from a NFL free agency and moving pieces perspective. Um, and something that we'll just have to keep our eye on. Um, any sort of big takeaways you had from doing this exercise or maybe anywhere that anybody went or any sort of names available that you uh, just wanted to touch on before we get out of here? Well, I think the one thing that I've kind of learned from it's crazy how much these guys fluctuate. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of starting to be in the camp of maybe quality or quantity of one or first round picks and second round picks over the quality of the pick. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't think I'd be likely to trade multiple back end ones for an early one anymore. I think I'd rather take more stabs at it and potentially get a player that could easily shoot high up this list. Like we just did like DK Metcalf, like Justin Jefferson, mm -hmm. Terry McLaurin, like our first three picks were who was the earliest taken in either of our contract league drafts DK at like five or something. Uh, did DK go that high? Cause well, and I know people kind of made fun of the guy that took him cause <laughs> most people wouldn't have taken him there. So I think he went a little higher than he was commonly going. I yes. guess. But well, so while you were talking, I just wrote down next to, so our top eight players, I would say CD lamb was a pretty consensus top two or three pick miles mm -hmm. Sanders was pretty consensusly a top four pick beyond that. I, I would say DK Metcalf in most leagues I saw went late one, same with Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin right. was probably late too. AJ Brown really fluctuated. I saw him go as high as one Oh four. I saw him go as late as two Oh four in drafts that year. So let's call him a late one. 
Um, DeAndre Swift, depending upon when you had your draft, I think the earlier you had it, the higher he went. Um, but he went middle first. Um, and Antonio Gibson, that was one of our other top eight. We had a very consensus top eight, I thought, in my opinion. Um, and he was an early second round, mid-second round pick. So to your point, of the top eight players that we had here, and I think we we're pretty much in agreement on those guys, only two, I would say, you would consider a top five uh, rookie pick. So there is value late in drafts, late in the first round, into the second round, into the third round. Um, piling up picks is always a good strategy, in my opinion, to your point. Agreed. And some breaking news uh, from during the podcast, uh, DeAndre Swift has been cleared from the concussion right. protocol, so we can amend our takes on the Lions game a little bit. Uh, and Josh Gordon's been reinstated for the last yeah, few games, so don't, don't do anything because that's a <laughs> waste of time and your free agent money or whatever you're using to acquire him. Just don't. Don't you be that don't. guy. I don't bother. Yeah, I'm with you. So uh, that's the end of our show. Do you got a birthday to get us out of here on? Uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne. How many heads of bats have you bitten off in your life, Newts? At least three, maybe four. <laughs> All right. Well, happy birthday to Ozzy, uh, the whole Osbourne clan. I love this show. I wish it was still on. I uh, don't, but that's for great. bleep's sake. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, it was a good show. So on uh, Tuesday again, we'll have another show. It'll be the recap from all of this week's action. Um, and then I think next week, our plan for this second half of the Thursday show. Uh, we'll just be general playoff advice. We can make that player specific. We can make it far more generalized in terms of just things that we see, you know, good owners and bad owners do in the playoffs, but just sort of some general playoff advice. Um, do you have anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Not really. All see right. You later. <laughs> we'll then have a great weekend and we'll see you on Tuesday. Bye-bye.